Welcome to Bad Evening Business with your co-hosts, Mackenzie Hatfield and Riley Jennings. Together, we inspire future generations of changemakers. So listen as we share with you the stories of baddies breaking the status quo and doing extraordinary work in the world. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We are going to be introducing to you somebody pretty, pretty extraordinary today. He has accomplished so much in his 17 years of life. We'll get more into it further along into the podcast. But first things first, I don't know what you were doing at 17 years old, Kenzie. I know for a fact that I wasn't thinking about building a company. Just to kind of paint the picture of what Riley at 17 years old was like living in Yakima, Washington. Did nothing but eat, sleep, and breathe volleyball. The biggest concern in life was whether or not we were going to win the game against Wenatchee. <laughs> whether my varsity jacket was going to come in in time for the homecoming football game. And as for my 17-year-old self, I can guarantee that I was not thinking about post-graduation life. I was working at the one and only Ace Hardware. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ace is the place where the hell for hardware, <laughs> hardware folk Fuck. go. No, there's no go. There's no go. There's a go in there. There's definitely not. Oh. <laughs> it's okay. It was a thought that counts. But yes, I worked at the one and only Ace Hardware in our hometown in Yakima, Washington. Very fonzies. So yeah, that was a main focus of mine. I was also, um, gosh, 17. So we were seniors in high school. Definitely hanging out with friends every weekend. Um, worried about who was going to ask me to the dances. Um, so one, I, was, I was the one coordinating who was going to ask her and how. <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> Very kidding. true. <laughs> Realistically, it wasn't the problem of if Kenzie was going to get asked, it was who was going to ask her. And what came of the person who asked her to that dance was my boyfriend. <laughs> yes, we did meet when we were 17. So that was super fun. Was worried about, I wasn't really worried about anything, but I was very focused on that. I was focused on the friends, like I said, and yeah, just hanging out and enjoying the last moments of our senior year of high school. I was definitely not focused on anything other than what was going on in that current moment. And I think that's pretty appropriate for a 17-year-old. <laughs> I would say so. For the vast majority, you know, the majority, 90%, 95%, 99%. But today we're going to introduce you to somebody who's in the 1%. Somebody who has goals, who has figured out a way to achieve them. And without further ado, let's get into this episode. Introducing to you guys, Raj Babari. He is a 17-year-old serial entrepreneur with a focus in social impact. He was born and raised here in San Diego, and he began his journey during the pandemic where he noticed a problem with students' learning outcomes. And to fix this, he got right to work, did some research, and he built a platform that allows students to connect with qualified tutors. For those of you who are hiking those tall, tall mountains with very little resources and you get to the very, very top of the mountain but have no phone to take a picture because it died, this is the man for you. Today, he is the founder of Off Grid Technologies, where him and his team 
are creating a portable wilderness charger powered by natural running water sources, such as rivers. He has been featured in the San Diego Business Journal and recently released his very own TED Talk called The Renaissance of Capitalism, or in all before he is even legally allowed to vote. Welcome, Raj, to Baddies Mean Business. Thanks for having me on, Riley. I'm happy to be here. So go ahead and tell us just a little bit about yourself, just so the people can know. Absolutely. That was, I mean, that was a great intro. And, you know, I've, I've been born and raised here in Southern California. And um, I'm, I'm just getting started on my entrepreneurship journey. We've, we've made a lot of traction in the past couple of years. Um, and I'm, I'm a social entrepreneur who, who really believes that business is an opportunity to make the world a better place. So all of my ventures have the, the mission of really making the world better. And for those of you who haven't caught that, um, Raj here is 17 years old. He's technically a senior in high school. He has been doing some pretty incredible things. So what I'm curious about, Raj, is what were your interests growing up? Yeah, so I've I've always been sort of an innovator, right? Like I've I've kind of been seeing problems, and I've always been I've always been curious about about making stuff. And mm-hmm. my first uh, my first foray into entrepreneurship was when I was just 10 years old. And I started this company that helps seniors use their mobile devices, their Apple devices. Because, you know, a 10-year-old kid, yeah. I know how to use my, my iPhone, the iPad really well. And so um, it, was, it was good. You know, I, at first I was just doing it because it was just a way to make some money. But then, you know, over time, I started to realize that there really was a social impact there. And it's because, like, I helped a grandmother connect with her grandson who's mm-hmm. living in another city on a zoom call like they never would have been able to talk and see each other before and i helped another grandmother who was recovering from surgery i helped her to uh to pass the time and get games on her phone and to journal and so it was just that's when i started to realize like at at a young age with just kind of a grind company that was like there's more to business than just making money and that's that's what got me started on the journey of um of business to make the world a better place what I think is beautiful is that just at such a young age, you've already realized that we want whatever you may do. Some people go on the pathway of they just want to be successful, but with you, you want to be successful, but also make a social impact as well. Exactly. Yeah, that's I learned that young, and I got the seeds of that, and then you know it's kind of come to fruition now. Amazing. So, who or what has inspired you as you've grown up and discovered what exactly your passions were? Yeah, I, I mean, really, my biggest inspiration is my father. I mean, he's he's an entrepreneur himself and he's, he's encouraging and motivating to me. I mean, he sets, he sets a good example. And I think that that is, they've, my parents have done a good job of teaching me drive. And it's, it's something that, um, that you have to kind of have in you, you know, it's, it's not, not everybody can, uh, can, can really grind like an entrepreneur needs to, you know? And so that, that sense of drive and accomplishing stuff and kind of paid forging your own path, is it's it's really what inspires me and what what kind of keeps me going, you know. Absolutely. What exactly do your parents do? Yeah, my mom, she's she works in compliance at at a, at the school and that's like so she has got a legal background and then my dad, he's a tech entrepreneur. So you kind of followed the kind of the pathway of your parents as well. Exactly. Amazing. Yeah, I mean that you know, if I got a contract writer stuff, I I got got someone in house for my mom and if if I got the if I have like a, business question you know i've got someone in house so it's it's in in the family you know you got built-in mentors <laughs> exactly <laughs> you mentioned that you had done little things like for the grandmothers and assisting them with their technology when was like the first moment that you started as an entrepreneur what was your first you would consider your venture 
Yeah, and that would really be tutors for good. And so during the COVID-19 pandemic, um, we all went, we thought it was just going to be a vacation, right? Everybody was just like, oh, yeah, we'll be off school for a few weeks and then we'll come back. Uh, and turns out that wasn't the case. And when I would tutor students myself before the pandemic, just going to their houses and, and talking to them, when the COVID pandemic hit, there was no in-person tutoring happening. And so what, what they did is my friends, they made this group chat and it was quite literally titled Ask Raj. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I, I helped them out. And they, they asked me some math questions, right? And I would help them out. I'm happy to help. And I just kind of got to thinking, like, what about all the kids that are in virtual learning, aren't getting it, but can't ask Raj? And that's when I started Tutors for Good. And the model is that we offer 30 minutes of free tutoring to every student every week. So if you can't afford the tutoring, you can come back next week and get that 30 minutes free. And after that, if you want more tutoring in the same week, then it's paid. Yeah. So it's I came up with that model that allows a balance of social impact and profit. And really getting that company started, it's born out of, you know, other people having a problem, me seeing a solution. And that was my first start into social entrepreneurship. And so we're going to go ahead and deep dive into Tutors for Good more. How does it work exactly? Because you did say that you have you offer free tutoring. And so how do you sustain it? And then also um, you mentioned also creating the whole platform. And so maybe we can walk through that process. Sounds good. Yes. So the model is at 30 minutes of free tutoring every week. And then after that, you can book additional sessions and pay for those sessions. Nice. So that the model, people come back. And we've had some people who insist to pay the 30 minutes. They, they insist to pay that first 30 minutes. We have others who only go for the 30 minutes, but the majority of the people will book for like an hour, right? And so that helps us sustain um, sustain our costs. Our tutors are, they get paid for any paid sessions that they tutor. So all of our tutors know that they're getting into a, a social impact organization. They're all willing to volunteer some of their time and get paid some of the time. So that's the... That's how we we can sustain our, our personnel costs using that um, that payment structure. You know, Tutors for Good, it started, you know, just as me trying to get an Ask Garage site. And so I literally, I made a site for $12, maybe $11.99. So that was the first site I made. It looked like it was out of the 90s. It was, it was pretty, just text and, and email me if you want to book. People started booking and that was that was really where it started. And it just kind of it went from there. Somebody else asked me, like, hey, can I tutor as well? I was like, sure. So now tutorsforgood.com had two tutors. And then when we had two tutors, then eventually we got three. And then we got more students to sustain the tutors. And then the platform just kind of grew very organically. The initial way to book was just based on emails. So email me if you want to book, and then we'll match you with the tutor and, and book you, right? So that worked for a little bit, but then eventually it became unsustainable. People wanted to meet at like, you know, 9 p.m. And it's like nobody's meeting at nine o'clock. Right. And so we decided to list some times. Right. OK, I'm available to tutor from one to five p.m. on Monday and Thursdays or whatever it is. And everybody had their own hours. And so that's it was the start of the platform. You know, it's something and it helped make things a little bit more efficient. After that, we I, I made something where where you could choose a time that the tutor is available and then it sends you a Zoom link automatically or a virtual meeting link automatically. So then, you know, getting a little bit more automated, a little bit more sophisticated. And then, you know, after that, there's still payment to be processed. So I'm like, why don't I make 
make the program process the payment and ask for the payment and track that and send reminders. So then the platform just kind of naturally evolved to the point where now when we have 15 tutors and we have more students and more volume, it actually scales with that volume and it handles 99% of it automatically. So that's, you know, it just, it very naturally kind of came of why do I keep doing this manually over and over again? Why don't I just automate that? And I really wanted to talk on that is because when approaching a new idea, it doesn't always start off like the end product is exactly what it would be today. It starts off in like small steps. And I think that's what's amazing about your story is that you figured out how to solve little problems by automating. Exactly. Yeah. It's And, you know, it's really like people say to do customer discovery, right? And my customer discovery was I put up a website and I got demand and I just had to cope with the demand little by little by little. But, you know, just getting out there, that initial step of of putting myself out to the world and offering this, coming up with the idea and then making that $12 website, that's, that's where it all starts. You know, you can't, you can't get to where you, where I am today without taking that first step and getting the first customer, just putting up that website is, is really the hardest part, you know, from there kind of, it comes naturally, you know. And so you said it was a more word of mouth. Was it a natural transgression of you gaining awareness or did you do any like marketing per se? Yeah. So it started word of mouth, right? Um, Tutoring is, is when you offer a good service, especially in tutoring, recommendations go a long way. But the big thing that um, that helped kickstart Tutors for Good was that I ended up getting some media coverage in the San Diego Union Tribune. And that that helped a lot with getting tutors, getting students that wanted to volunteer. Um, and then that that article was shouted out by the California governor then things blew up, right? And so the the news coverage there it really organically helped to grow Tutors for Good. And it's it's become like a self-sustaining machine now where people are uh, people are able to, you know, come back. People have heard about it. It helped all of our, you know, SEO and domain rankings because, you know, you get a backlink from the governors. It can't be bad, right? And so, that probably helps a ton. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? And so, um, you know, the demand came in in that way was the primary channel. Going off of that, how has that experience molded your perspective on using media coverage for your own business? Obviously it decent. Was, <laughs> it was powerful, right? Um, but I think that the reason why the media coverage worked is that we have a mission and a story, right? Um, people like to talk about or like to put the, to cover a high school student who started a, a tutoring company that's making a social impact. Um, as opposed to any old company, right? And so having a story crafted, and I believe that having the social impact makes people want to support you, right? I mean, our tutors don't have to spend their time volunteering the first 30 minutes. Like They could work somewhere else, but they've chosen to work at Tutors for Good because they believe in the mission and they believe in the social impact. And so really the, the media and the entire company basing it around you know, literally the name being for good is, um, is, is made of, I think that that's made the biggest impact in, in the success. And so what were your biggest takeaways from Tutors for Good? <laughs> has to be the biggest one, honestly. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's, it's that. And then in reflection, just getting started there, taking the first step, that was the big, um, the big thing of, of making the marketplace where it is today. Moving forward into your current venture, Off-Grid Technologies, 
what kind of knowledge that have you taken into off-grid and then also explain what exactly off-grid is. So off-grid technologies, we're making these portable renewable energy generators that take the power of a river and use it to charge your phone. It's about the size of a water bottle. And um, I came up with the idea when I was out camping. I was on this long backpacking trip and I was summiting this mountain. I hiked for like five hours, right? And I got to the top and my phone was dead. It was like, great. So, you know, it was the best view, I'm telling you, but I don't have any pictures to, to show it. You know, like when you go hiking for that long, you have to you have to go near a river because you can't take all the water that you need to drink with you. You drink a lot of water, especially when you're exercising, and that would be really heavy to carry. So, you know, I, I got to the top of the mountain, took in the sights, and then I, I went to a river to, to hydrate, and I started walking down for five hours with, with no pictures. And um, I started thinking, like, why can't I use the river to charge my phone? Because this exists. The Hoover Dam does this, right? And there's hydroelectric generators that are of massive scale. So why can't we take that tech and, and scale it down? And so really, that's how, that's how off-grid started. It was just born out of, out of a need. And when I got started on the track, I, I just kind of followed the trail and, and kept going to, to where I am today. What Tutors for Good helped prepare me was really the business side. It's not a similar offering, you know. Tutors for Good is a software marketplace. Off-grid is a, it's a hardware product, right? That's a physical prototype. What Tutors for Good helped was the business sense of managing people, seeing like, okay, what are the things that are required to, to run the company? And really all the, the fundamentals of having the successful company, they, they stay the same no matter what, what industry you're in. And so um, why, while Tutors for Good might not have helped in you know, building the product, it certainly helped in the rest of it. And so how did you get started with building out that product since you did transition into a hardware? Yeah, um, and that was, it, it involved, you know, building out the team, right? There's, um, I have some hardware knowledge, I have some designing knowledge. And so um, researching existing products or existing, like, the good thing about off-grid is that it's modeled off of large-scale generators. And so I, the first thing that, that we did as a, as a company is, how do those work, right? We need to figure out everything about how those work because we're going to have to replicate all of those things just on a much smaller scale. And then, you know, our my team and, and myself included, I, I learned hardware stuff. Um, I did some product development. My team did product development and we all worked together uh, to get to where we are now with the, the minimum viable product. We have that. It's working now. Um, and it, it's been a long journey. You know, it's it's good that we've experienced all of it. We've experimented with a lot of different things in order to get here. And it gives you a lot of in-depth knowledge about the product after having gone through all of these iterations and and really, you know, learning a lot along the way. Where we are now, I'm very proud of, and I know that, like, aside from customer discovery, like, I know that this is something that that works to the best of its ability to launch as an MVP. Yeah. Was there necessary skills? So, because when we started off, you said that you did programming for Tutors for Good. Yes. And then now, this morning, I saw you had a workshop revolved around 3D printing for the Rec Lab. And yes. so, when it comes to skill building, how do you approach that usually when it comes to, you know, there's something that needs to be done, but there's a gap in what you know to the end product? You can learn anything. And especially online, you can learn anything. And so, with um, 3D printing, I just learned that by getting a printer and messing around with it and trying it. I mean, a lot of things you can, 
if you have the time and the persistence, you can you can learn stuff. There's so many good resources online these days. Um, in terms of design, I actually ended up taking a class on that. And so in terms of designing the product on the computer, there's a software that I, I got and I took a class on how to how to use that. And that's helped helped me a lot. And um, yeah, building skills is is easier now than than really ever. I mean, anybody can learn anything. It's as long as you like sticking with it and working around and trying stuff like I've I've had lots of 3D prints that just didn't work. Learn from it and Google, this is the problem. And like, how do I solve it? Right. I've had lots of designs that just don't look right. It's like, okay, Google it. How do I solve this? And then, you know, working around it and having that, that ability to just kind of keep going and keep getting through it. Eventually you'll get to where you want to be. Yeah. So having, he would say having that, just that grit and like that hunger for knowledge has been a huge contribution to where you are today. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Amazing. What are your plans now? for off-grid technologies. You just said that you've been working on a prototype. How long did you take on that prototype, actually? So we launched off-grid in, in June 2020. That's, okay. And so it's been the math, right? I don't know. It's been like a year and a half, right? What are your what are my plans? Um, we're planning on man- manufacturing this, this product that we have. Um, we're just finishing up a little bit of, of development in terms of getting it to be more scalable. Um, we've got a charger that works and now we need to get you know 10 chargers at work and then take that and, and make a thousand chargers at work and so getting the process to be more repeatable and more scalable um 3d printing is scalable up to a certain point um but but most plastic products are not made in 3d printing that you buy off the shelf right and so that's um that's been the the process and we're talking to manufacturers thinking about raising the capital to to make this initial run but all of our efforts are focused on now that we have a working thing, we know that this is possible to do. How do we get to, to launch this and let the market? Are you looking for investment or is that something in your scope of mind for the next few years? Or what Yeah. Is- I mean, we're thinking about it, right? So we, we've thought about different options for investment. Um, it all depends on, on how we're manufacturing it and what um, what scales we want to accomplish in the near term, you know, we could we could raise a round, a private round, or we could try to crowdfund or use a Kickstarter. So we are exploring our options right now. The main thing, and the, something that is the most recent for you, recent development that I think we, I really want to spend a good amount of time on is recently you had launched a TED Talk. And so if you can go ahead and walk us through how that came to be, um, a 17-year-old doing a TED Talk, <laughs> I don't think that happens every single day. And so I, I'm so curious about everything about that process. The first thing, though, is that, you know, your network is your net worth, right? And so that's the the number one thing with this TED Talk. About a year ago, I had decided I wanted to give a TED Talk. And so I looked at my network and I I saw somebody who had had this opportunity of like he was in this TED event where he's, he was gathering speakers and he wanted to host a TED event. So I was like, look, man, I want to give a TED talk. And he's like, great. I think I'm going to be hosting an event in about a year. Fast forward a year. He's like, hey, do you want to speak at my TED event? I'm like, sure, I'll still do it. And so that is, that's really how it worked. I mean, it's, it's all about who you know. The other half of it is, is what you know. And so TED is about ideas worth sharing. And for me, my idea that's worth sharing is really my passion is social entrepreneurship and how you can take a company that makes money 
and makes the world a better place. And so that's what I decided to share in my TED Talk called The, the Renaissance of, of Capitalism. When you talk to your network, was the renaissance of capitalism the idea that you had told him about? Or was it just, oh, I wanted to give a tech talk? So I knew that I wanted to give a talk about making choices that make the world a better place, I guess. And so I actually, everybody knows I'm a social entrepreneur. It's, it's like, that's that's me. And so that's what my talk was going to be about for sure. Um, and the, I guess the specific, the renaissance of capitalism was... Um, was developed after I'd written an entire other talk. And so my first talk was about how consumers can make can make choices that um that benefit the world while benefiting them. So there's some examples like, you know, using LEDs in your home instead of incandescents, using like the the more fuel efficient route on Google instead of the fastest route. Um there's this running cold water on your washing machine. There's just different things that consumers can do. And I mean, I was, I was writing this, I literally, I wrote a 15 minute talk on this and I just realized that, you know, this isn't, that's not the idea worth sharing. Those are all kind of effects of what a consumer can do after they understand, you know, how the entire system of capitalism could function and why that's important to contribute to the system of stakeholder capitalism. So I decided to basically scrap that talk. None of that stuff's in my, my TED talk, though I do think it's it's good things to do. That's not my TED talk. My TED talk is about taking the step back and how can businesses, investors, and consumers come together to form a better, more sustainable market that makes the world a better place. Incredible. I had no idea that you had a previous TED Talk saved up, so maybe that could be saved for another day. I didn't mention it in the TED Talk, right? You, yeah. you don't hear about that. No, that? you don't. And so it's, there's so many little bits and pieces behind what all they see is the TED Talk that you gave, but behind the scenes, there is so much planning, correct? Yes. And so the TED Talk was a different animal for me. So I, I've i lectured a lot. I, I taught a class um, in the spring 2021 about entrepreneurship and so I know how to lecture that's you have slides and you talk about it right I know how to give pitches for my company I do that all the time you like go for three or five minutes but this is different you have to have it memorized you have to have it down to a T and it's like 15 minutes long so it's kind of a beast and so the the TED talk the planning for it was it took me some some time you know and I think that the biggest thing that I realized when I was giving my TED talk is that is that it's so I wrote I wrote the, the talk like kind of like I would write an essay right but the result was that I used words that I would never say out loud like if you actually read your essays out loud you use all these like strange words that try to impress your professors right um and I totally did that and so then when I was trying to memorize it I'm like I would never say this like what what am I even writing and so I'd change the entire talk so that it's literally just how I would say it if I was talking to you at the table and I wanted to convince you about why stakeholder capitalism is great or tell you about the history of of capitalism, this is exactly what I would say. And so writing it like that, just like how I would say it, now it's my words, right? It's not my thesaurus's words or my dictionary's words. It's it's my words and it's my ideas and it's my passion. And that change really, really helped in memorizing it because it's not like being an actor. You're playing someone else is not the case. You are yourself. You better like, you know, spill out words that really um, that really show your own passion and who you are. 
And you really have a way. So I, I was watching your video through the rec, your workshop around the 3D printing. You have a way of teaching. And obviously, it's probably from Tutors for Good. You have a way of telling your story and talking to people in a way that any person could understand it, regardless of like their skill set or their previous knowledge. And so that's something that I noticed in your TED Talk, because now talking to you and your background, like there's this big scaled idea that you somehow narrowed down into a way that like any person who watches that TED Talk will be able to really get a glimpse of the idea. That's my goal. And, and you know, I strongly believe and this is the, the thing I've learned from being a tutor is that um, because I did tutor people for for years and I I still do tutor some clients. And it's that when you can teach something to somebody, that's how you know you really understand it. If you you know something, but you can't explain it very simply, or you can't explain it like a five-year-old would understand it, then you you don't understand it well enough. And that's the same thing that everybody tells you when you're pitching your companies, right? You have to have a pitch that a five-year-old can understand or my grandmother can understand. And it's because... If you don't do that, then nobody's nobody's going to get it, right? And so distilling the intricacies of capitalism and the history of capitalism is really the same as distilling the intricacies of my portable generator or distilling, the, you know, how complicated my tutoring company is and all the marketing. It's It's the same exact skill that you learn in entrepreneurship. So next up, I really want to deep dive into the actual topic that you talked about, um, the renaissance of capitalism. And so go ahead, if you can explain into better detail, and especially for those who haven't listened yet. Absolutely. So the the title, the renaissance of capitalism, is, um, is calling for a, a renaissance or a rebirth of capitalism. And so the, the challenge that I see is that um, businesses prioritize profit above all else, or in other words, um, the value to shareholders of the company. And so they're the only the sole goal of your corporation is to line the pockets of your shareholders. And that allows you to justify having a lot of negative impacts on society in the name of, of profit. And a lot of companies in America do this today, but the the insight in that that, that idea is called shareholder capitalism. It's what mostly happens today and allows businesses to justify like harming society for profit and that the insight is that that idea it hasn't always been that way and so it might have been that way within our lifetimes or even our parents lifetimes if you take a look back in history our early industrialists or the original business people that that started american capitalism didn't just prioritize profit a lot of them had ideas and really implemented successful companies that balanced uh being good to society and making money. And that idea is called stakeholder capitalism. And so the the main focus of the talk is taking a look back into history and showing what is shareholder capitalism, what is stakeholder capitalism, giving some examples of how stakeholder capitalism, how people in history have balanced social impact and profit, then how we can model off of that in today's companies, how consumers, investors, and business leaders could take tangible steps to have a rebirth of what it used to be like, a more sustainable form of business, and how we can have a rebirth of that and really implement it into today's society. You mentioned a quote. It really stuck out to me because obviously in our society today, there is a lot of different companies making adjustments in their business models to be more sustainable and be more um, socially aware. 
And so the quote was by John W. Gardner, where he says, wealth is not new, neither is charity, but the idea of using private wealth imaginatively, constructively, and systematically to attack the fundamental problem of mankind is new. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so John Gardner, he was the president of the Carnegie Corporation, a former president in the 20th century. To me, this quote means that the focus is on using private wealth, right? And I feel like when people try to make a social impact, I want to make the world a better place. A majority of people don't look to companies. Companies make money, and then I take that money that I earn and I use that to make the world a better place, is how most people think. But companies can balance social impact and profit. And the reason why um, there's such a big opportunity there is because that's where the money is. In America, about $470 billion is donated to charities every year. And $750 billion is spent by the government every year on social services. And so, you know, helping the country succeed. And so that that's where the focus is, right? Petitioning the government to sign this law, do this thing, help this group of people, or donating your money to a charity that that can benefit that. And some that's about a trillion dollars. On the other hand, $17 trillion goes towards sustainable investments. And that's a third of the total of $51 trillion of privately managed assets. That's where the money is. That's where the opportunity is. If we can take more of that money where there's a 50 times bigger opportunity and use that to make a social impact, even making small changes in big companies can have a much greater impact than spending all that time on charities and and the government. It's self-sustaining because people are incentivized to work for profit. That makes the world a better place. So what are your thoughts on the whole idea of greenwashing? Because you said you have identified this opportunity, but what is the reason why companies haven't implemented that or have tackled that opportunity? It's hard to innovate sustainably. And really the, the difference between companies that do it well and greenwash are that the companies that do it well, it's baked into their, a lot of times at least, it's baked into their, their founding. And they're like, this is the foundation, the mission of the company from day one. I'll give some examples. So example one is this bakery in New York called Grayston Bakery. And they have this open hiring policy where they hire people to work at their brownie shop just based on a list. They don't interview. They don't discriminate based on. And the, the major thing, they don't discriminate based on your record of like like a criminal record or um, your your any of your history. So. They're making a social impact by employing people that otherwise would not be able to get access to jobs. And the result is that that's, that's what they've been doing from day one. And they landed a contract with um, it's, it's a major ice cream company, it's either Ben & Jerry's or Baskin Robbins, one of the two. And they supply all the brownies for them. It's like a major contract that they've landed. And that's a lot of it is because of the social impact. And I mean, they get tax credits for employing people that otherwise wouldn't get employed. These people stick with them longer, so they don't have to. Um, they don't have to onboard as many people, and it saves them money. So, like overall, having that baked in is a genuine way. That's not greenwashing. That's a genuine way to make a sustainable change in a community that needs it. Um, so that's example one. Example two is uh, a major retailer that is the number one biggest retailer of organic foods in the country, and so it's actually Walmart and. They have actually, surprisingly, they're a more quiet 
they've embraced, they're a big company that's embraced some social entrepreneurship more quietly. Um, a lot of Walmart is trying to, is trying to, they've used LEDs, they've implemented LEDs across the nation in, in a lot of their stores to save electricity bills and help the environment. They've also installed renewable energy, uh, like solar panels. So they have lots of solar panels at, at different Walmarts, um, and they are quiet about it. And so their goal is still to make money. They've identified sustainable initiatives that even though they might be small things, they've really behind the scenes made an impact without greenwashing, without painting it on their sleeves. We're the greenest person in the in the country or whatever, but really they're kind of leading some of the a lot of the retail sustainability initiatives quietly behind the scenes. And so there's ways to do it. You know, I I see those as two of many examples of successful companies today that have genuinely made a social impact and are making a good profit and good money. What kind of recommendations or what kind of insights would you have for those who can implement the ideas that you talk about in your TED Talk? Absolutely. So this is um, this is the perfect place, right? We're on the Values Mean Business podcast, right? And so, of course, business leaders and the next generation of entrepreneurs has a major role to play in forming how companies how companies operate, right? But capitalism is not a one way street, right? And capitalism doesn't just um, isn't just what business owners decide they want to do. This change is going to be the result of the intersection of consumers shifting their mindsets, investors shifting how they invest, and business leaders matching what that is. So as a business leader, your job is to cater to your consumers, right? And you need to raise money to do that. And so looking at impact investment to raise that money, looking at how consumers will pay more for ethical products and branding a genuinely ethical product to meet that is kind of the way forward. And so I think that the way to to implement this is that is that no matter what what situation you're in, right? Or what position you find yourself in, whether it's an entrepreneur, um, an executive at a company, or just somebody who's buying products, which we all do, or an investor, there's ways to um to make the world a better place in a small way for every person. And that adds up to make a big change over time. And I think it's amazing because we were talking about this large scale idea of social impact. But when we say that the word impact sounds very scary, uh, I can see to a lot of people, the way you identify it is making super small steps. And that doesn't just mean business. That could mean just in your lifestyle as well. How would you describe how you feel the leadership is or how you would describe leadership? What would that be? What would that look like? So there's a I guess there's a difference. And I I read this somewhere that there's a difference between being like a boss and being a leader, right? A boss tells you what to do and you do it, right? But that's not that's not leadership. You know, leadership isn't I have these people that are under me and I'm at the top of the pyramid and I tell them what to do and they do it, right? That's, that's not that's not leadership. Leadership is bringing your team members or your employees on a journey with you. Your goal is to see them succeed. And this is this is my leadership philosophy. And so I they are only working with me if they have something in it for them to succeed on their path, on their mission. And so everybody that I work with, I I want to know, like, why are you even here, right? And how can I help you get to the next phase of your life? I, my, my leadership philosophy isn't just do 
do what you're told or do what do what I tell you. It's I want to build these these people's skills and help them accomplish whatever it is in their life they want to accomplish. And so to me, that's that's true leadership is lifting other people up with you. It's like keeping in mind the other people's goals. And in the end, obviously, what I find, find what something I really, truly believe is that everyone wants to feel valued. And so in your leadership style, you naturally do that in a way that they'll already feel motivated to help you in your goals because you're already doing the same for them. Exactly. Yep. Totally agree. What kind of advice would you want like to give to young people who may be in a similar position as you, who want to make a social impact, who want to start a business? Just getting started. So how, what would you like to say to those two type of people? I think you, you actually just said it. It's You just need to get started. Do something, right? Tutors for Good wouldn't have happened if I did not make that first $12 website. Off-grid would not happen if I didn't make the first prototype that, that didn't it didn't work. You, you you probably won't see that, that first prototype. It, it was like literally hobbled together out of some some wood prototypes, some wood like planks, and we, we fit it together, and it, it barely worked, but kind of generated a little bit of power off my sink. And like, but we did that, and we got started, and we just kept going and going and going. And so my biggest piece of advice is to, to those of you who are inspired, do something about it. Whether that's starting a company or whether that's considering your own purchase decisions and the way that you interact with the market, um, or if it's you know changing the places where you invest. I mean, every person has something that they can do and everyone has work to do. I mean, my whole goal, I try to improve prove the way that I, um, I make a difference every day. Everybody has work to do. And so I just encourage you to think about this. Think about how your actions contribute to the ecosystem and do it. Don't wait. There's, you don't, don't do it tomorrow. Do it today. Incredible advice. And I think that's going to resonate with whoever it may be, regardless if someone wants to start a business or not. So something I want to also talk about is how do you go about your day? You have all these tasks, these responsibilities, you're still in school. Um, how do you balance that and how do you keep a proper mindset? Yeah, I I will say that I am very I'm very fulfilled. For how busy I am, most people would be like losing their minds, right? I mean, I, I'm com- being completely honest. I I spend a lot of my time working, but the reason why I can do it is because I know what my purpose and my mission is. So my mission in life is to make the world a better place. And that's what I want to do. But on a smaller level, you know, I try to make a small difference every day. And so every day, my goal is to do something that makes somebody's world better. And so whether that's, you know, helping somebody out in just a small way, or, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to do the dishes tonight. So somebody else doesn't have to, right? It's like, I'm going to make dinner, even though I don't have to, right? It's like, or it's just these small things, right? That help people out and you can do it and make it really easy and they add up. And that's the that's the big thing to realize is that when you make small achievable goals for your personal life and then actually follow through with them, then by the end of the day, you're not like, oh my gosh, I didn't accomplish anything. There's always one thing that you accomplished, right? And I, I always can sleep well knowing that I did something good today. And so that's why it's fulfilling to spend all this time on my companies. And that's why it's fulfilling to, you know, rip my hair out working until 3am 
on that one thing that's just not working in the Tutors for Good software. That one feature that's just not working in Off Grid is because there's a there's a reason, right? There's there's something I'm trying. I'm doing something good. You have a reason. You have a purpose for every single day. And I love the idea of just like focusing on your small goals. And we did mention off the record that you make a point every morning to write down one goal for your day. Yeah. And- so yeah, I, I do. I quite literally, I have a paper tacked onto my wall. I have a pen tied to it. And I quite literally, when I wake up, I write a goal on that paper and it's written there and I accomplish that goal every day. And it's something that's fully in my control. It's not, it's not, I'm going to get this feature working because I don't know if the feature is going to work. But it's, you know, I am going to dedicate this much time that's truly, genuinely focused on trying to get that to work. Something like that, right? Or it's like, you know, I am going to talk to somebody that I haven't talked to in a, in a few months and just ask them how they're doing, right? It's like, it's just simple things like that that really guide something in my day. And what's your goal today? My goal for today, I have a busy day today. and My goal is to just take a moment and pause. And I think that's going to help everybody in my day be more, I'll be more patient with everyone. And, you know, just, it'll help me and it'll help help others to not be annoyed with me. (laughs) (laughs) Even in your goals, you're being conscious of other people. (laughs) Exactly, man. Yeah. Do you have any last thoughts? Thank you for having me on, Riley. I I appreciate the, the opportunity. And, um, if anybody wants to connect with me, I'd be happy to. My website is is rajfabari.com and uh the ted talk the name of it is the renaissance of capitalism so feel free to to look that up i mean i will leave you with the thought that everybody has a different purpose and think about what yours is the goal of business isn't to lose your mind and it isn't just to make money it's to accomplish your life's goals Thank you so much, Raj. I'm truly honored to be able to sit down with people like you and to grow my own perspective. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Raj, for joining me. And we will talk to you guys very soon. Prove, prove the way that I, um, I make a difference every day. Everybody has work to do. And so I just encourage you to think about this. Think about how your actions contribute to the ecosystem and do it. Don't wait. There's, you don't, don't do it tomorrow. Do it today. Incredible advice. And I think that's going to resonate with whoever it may be, regardless if someone wants to start a business or not. So something I want to also talk about is how do you go about your day? You have all these tasks, these responsibilities. You're still in school. Um, how do you balance that, and how do you keep a proper mindset? Yeah, I I will say that I am very I'm very fulfilled 
for how busy I am, most people would be like losing their minds, right? I mean, I, I'm com- being completely honest. I I spend a lot of my time working, but the reason why I can do it is because I know what my purpose and my mission is. So my mission in life is to make the world a better place. And that's what I want to do. But on a smaller level, you know, I try to make a small difference every day. And so every day, my goal is to do something that makes somebody's world better. And so whether that's, you know, helping somebody out in just a small way, or, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to do the dishes tonight. So somebody else doesn't have to, right? It's like, I'm going to make dinner, even though I don't have to, right? It's like, or it's just these small things, right? That help people out. And you can do it and make it really easy. And they add up. And that's the that's the big thing to realize is that when you make small achievable goals for your personal life and then actually follow through with them, then by the end of the day, you're not like, oh my gosh, I didn't accomplish anything. There's always one thing that you accomplished, right? And I, I always can sleep well knowing that I did something good today. And so that's why it's fulfilling to spend all this time on my companies. And that's why it's fulfilling to, you know, rip my hair out working until 3 a.m. on that one thing that's just not working in the Tutors for Good software, that one feature that's just not working in off-grid is because there's a there's a reason, right? There's there's something I'm trying, I'm doing something good. You have a reason, you have a purpose for every single day. And I love the idea of just like focusing on your small goals. And we did mention off the record that you make a point every morning to write down one goal for your day. Yeah, and- so yeah, I, I do. I quite literally, I have a paper tacked onto my wall. And I have a pen tied to it. And I quite literally, when I wake up, I write a goal on that paper. And it's written there. And I accomplish that goal every day. And it's something that's fully in my control. It's not, it's not I'm going to get this feature working, because I don't know if the feature is going to work. But it's, you know, I am going to dedicate this much time that's truly genuinely focused on trying to get that to work, something like that, right? Or it's like, you know, I am going to talk to somebody that I haven't talked to in a, in a few months and just ask them how they're doing, right? It's like, it's just simple things like that, that really guide something in my day. And what's your goal today? My goal for today, I have a busy day today. And my goal is to just take a moment and pause. And I think that's going to help everybody in my day be more, I'll be more patient with everyone. and you know, just, it'll help me and it'll help, help others to not be annoyed with me. (laughs) (laughs) Even in your goals, you're being conscious of other people. (laughs) Exactly, man. Yeah. Do you have any last thoughts? Thank you for having me on Riley. I I appreciate the the opportunity. And um, if anybody wants to connect with me, I'd be happy to. My website is, uh, is rajprabar.com. And uh, the TED talk, the name of it is the Renaissance of Capitalism. So feel free to to look that up. I mean, I will leave you with the thought that everybody has a different purpose and think about what yours is. The goal of business isn't to lose your mind and it isn't just to make money. It's to accomplish your life's goals. Thank you so much, Raj. I'm truly honored to be able to sit down with people like you and to grow my own perspective. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Raj, for joining me. And we will talk to you guys very soon.